Message number two, our journey to victory. His journey to victory, our journey to victory, right? And last week, if you will uh, recall, we talked about the words that Jesus said while he was on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do, right? And we talked about what he meant by that and what he was saying by that. And hopefully the Lord had his way in our hearts about that, right? And if you missed it, it's okay. Go to the church YouTube channel and you can find it there and you can review it and listen to it again. It's what it's there for. We have recently, as, an, as we get into this message, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 23 again, verse 35, beginning in verse 35. We have rec uh, we've recently, as a church, uh, come to uh, uh, get, getting organized, getting put in, uh, pointing in the right direction, getting our vision and our mission and our core values in place and moving forward with that as the Lord would lead us. We know that our mission is to love people, right? To love God, right? And in doing so, we serve both. Also that we can work toward the vision of bringing community closer to God. That's what we've discussed. That's what we presented. That's what everyone said amen about, right? All of it is because Jesus told us to go and make disciples. Would you all agree with that? What does it mean to make disciples? It means to teach people that Jesus died so that we can learn how to be like him. And have an opportunity to do so. We, those of us who are believers, we are disciples. It takes a disciple to make a disciple, doesn't it? And if you're going to make disciples, then if you're, you have to be a disciple. And, if, and being a disciple means that you have to understand the gospel. Would you agree with that today? You, you have to have some understanding of the gospel in order to be able to share the gospel with anyone else. You don't have to have total understanding of God, right? It's not really a possibility, is it? But you have to have your mind wrapped around what happened on the cross. And that's why we're taking this journey, right? That's why we're, uh-oh, that's why we're doing what we're doing with this sermon series. And, and don't worry about the PowerPoint. If it's not working, it's fine, because most of it's just the scripture that we're reading anyway, all right? We're going to read today about something else that happened on the cross. Everything in this series is going to be about the, the things that happened on the cross before Jesus died. As we read in verse 35 to 43, I'm going to read uh, probably to verse 39, 35 to 39 to start with, and then we'll talk about that. 35 to 38. Let's read that. The people stood watching, and remember, uh, uh, last week we talked about how Jesus had been arrested, and he had been beaten, and he had been spit on, and been accused, and been uh, wrongly tried, and wrongly accused, and, and the people in the crowd said, crucify him anyway, because we know he's innocent, but just crucify him anyway. You know how uh, that goes. And here they are, at the cross, Jesus has been nailed to the cross, and hoisted up in the air, which... It, it, it really, you know, sometimes our mind gets us where he's like way up and nobody can reach him. I, I really don't think he was that high. I think it was just kind of high enough to where he couldn't get off of it. So he's, he's on this cross, bleeding, gasping for air, suffering. And we're going to talk about today these two other criminals who are also being crucified with him. So let's look at verse 35. 
The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ uh, of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. Setting the scene for today's message. Even after he's been on the cross, put on the cross, and all of the journey to the cross for him in this moment is over with, and now all he's left to do is to hang there and suffer until death is submitted to for him. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? It's pretty hard to swallow if you think about it. What's even adding to that difficulty is everyone around him is continually attacking him, even while he's on the cross. At some point, our minds have to say, when is enough enough? Did we not make our point? But they continue on. We need to realize that this is the result of sin. This is what happens when man, God, God's creation, man, rebels against him, offends him, insults him. And we find ourselves here. If we don't understand this event, this thing that's going on on the cross, all of it, then we can't be disciples. And we can't make disciples. Because making disciples is more than just telling people, uh, you, you need to come to church with us. It's more than telling people that Jesus loves you and that you can go and be with, it, with, with God in heaven because Jesus loves you. It's way more than just that. Would you all agree with that? Being a disciple and making disciples is coming to the realization of the reality of the relationship between man and God. And how it's completely broken at the fault of man. And how it was repaired by the love of God. Isn't that awesome, y'all? I mean, we, we, we lost an hour of sleep. It doesn't mean that the gospel has changed, so therefore we can say amen when it's appropriate, right? Get it, let's get excited about what God has done for us, y'all. And I'm not trying to come down on you. I'm just trying to wake you up a little bit. Because we're about to read something super spectacular Right, and if you don't leave, if you don't, if if we don't, if we read what we're about to read and don't leave here knowing that we are blessed, if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, there is something wrong in our hearts. Okay, and we will never make disciples if we don't see what's happening here. So let's look at what's going on uh, in the next verses. Right, verse thirty-nine. Look what it says. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, talking about Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now you, you imagine, put yourself in the shoes of this uh, man who's uh, a criminal. Doesn't say what his crimes were. I imagine that they were so severe that he would be hung on a cross. I imagine that because it's in the Bible, it must be true. Right? So he's obviously a hardened criminal. And he looks at Jesus... God in the flesh and challenges him and says, hey, if you are 
Jesus. If you're the Christ, save yourself. Now, the people on the ground we just read, they were shouting, hey, if you think you're uh, the Messiah, then show us. Save yourself. But this guy here, he's like, save yourself and us. It's all about him, isn't it? He's, all, he's saying, hey, I hope you're the Christ because I need some help right here. That's, what, that's what's going on in his heart right now. Because when, when, you're, when you're being crucified by the Romans, by the way, there's no hope for you. There's not going to be no uh, Wyatt Earp coming and taking a sharp shot at that rope so that you don't, at the last minute, you don't die from a hanging kind of thing. You're on the cross and the Romans ain't letting you off and you will just sit there and rot and die. So here's this guy, guilty, challenging Jesus for his own selfish motives. Keep that in mind. Now let's look at verse 40 and 42, 40 to 42. He says, but the other criminal rebuked him, rebuked the, other, the first criminal. And he says, don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for, what, for, for we are getting what our de deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he says, uh, then it says in verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And of course, Jesus answered him and he says, I tell you the truth today, you'll be with me in paradise. It's a whole different conversation there, wasn't it? Two people, as close as you can get to Jesus in the flesh, in the most powerful moment in the history of this earth. And they had two totally different reactions to what was happening. And we wonder why people today will not believe that Jesus is the Christ. Still today, people are yelling at Jesus, saying, if you're Jesus, show me. And this other guy, he's up here and he's like, uh, excuse me, you see him up here with us, right? And we're guilty as guilt can get. And this man is as innocent as innocent can be. And you're a fool if you think there's something there that's not there or other way around does that make sense what, what, what I'm saying so let's look let's break down for just a minute what this man said so that maybe we can uh, wrap our maybe try to wrap our minds and our hearts around everything that happened when Jesus is hanging on this cross and how does it what does it have to do with me and you because the problem with uh, today's culture and today's society in the in the hearts and minds of all of us is we're so far removed from when this happened it's hard to get there isn't it it's hard for it to be real you, you've ever seen a bad uh, 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 some kind of bad wreck or something happen and I mean I mean if you've ever seen anything where that you, you turn your face from because it's too gruesome to look at somebody got in a bad wreck or some bad accident happening you're just like ooh let's let's multiply that by several billion Right. When Jesus is on the cross and these two other fellows are on the cross. Right. I'm wondering myself. I don't know about you, but I'm wondering how can a crowd of people just stand there and watch that? Let alone insult and cheer and do whatever else they were doing. First thing he says, don't you fear God? 
talking to this other criminal. He's like, don't you fear God, man? Don't you understand that God is real? Don't you understand that there's a God who created all of this and he's way more powerful than anything in existence and everything all put together? That he's in charge, he's the boss, he is it? You don't have no fear about that? You don't have no reverence over that? And then he says, we are punished justly for what we're getting, uh, for what we've done. We're getting what we deserve. <laughs> he's up around the crease, just hanging on the cross, and he's like, yeah, we're guilty. I plead guilty, and there's nothing else I can do about it. And I can't even argue with what's happening to me because I deserve it. How could, can you imagine, if you're the one on the cross next to Jesus, do you think that you would ever come to that point? I don't know, when I was a kid, I was notorious for spending hours trying to figure out how am I going to fool my parents so I don't get in trouble for what I've done. <laughs> it was pitiful most of the time. Every now and then I thought I had it made. I, I was walking up there and I, was just, I laid it on them. I'm like, this is what happened and I'm going to stick by it. 99.9% .9 of the time, either one of my parents already knew what happened and how it all went down and that I was guilty more so than I ever knew. And yet I still kept sitting there. I'm not guilty. I didn't do it. That's like this. That's like the only child in the house. And the parents are like, what happened here? I don't know. It wasn't me. <laughs> well, it had to be somebody. And then at the end, he looks at Jesus, right? He looks at Jesus who, said, who, who, who he knows must be something more than just a man getting hung on the cross because he's innocent, and yet here he is. And he looks at Jesus, and what does he say? He says, when you come into your kingdom, he says, remember me. He's not yelling at him. He's not cursing him. He's not challenging him. He's just saying what's true. You ever been at, you know, when, when someone comes to Christ... No one gets saved unless they understand the gospel. Oh, sure, people, people will stand up and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. They might even get baptized, and then they might even celebrate that they're saved. But it doesn't mean they understand the gospel. It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God didn't convict them. It doesn't mean that they were convicted about their sin. It doesn't mean that they're mourning over the fact that they've offended a holy God. And that they need Jesus desperately, or they're going to hell forever. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they stood up and said, Jesus is the Christ and I want to go to heaven. That's two totally different things, isn't it? So here's this criminal, this sinner, this God offender, tied up to the cross next to the Savior. And what does he say? Don't you fear God? No one will get saved unless they fear God. No one will ever come to salvation unless they, they can understand the gospel. They can understand God's plan of salvation, but if you don't fear God, you will never repent. If you don't have any reverence for his holiness, because you will never understand how much you've offended him and the consequences for that, which are found in Romans chapter 6, by the way, verse 23. And if, and if, and if anybody thinks that they're not one of these criminals on the cross with Jesus, Let's read chapter 3 of Romans, where it says everybody has fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned, which should tell us that everybody needs the man in the middle, who we call Jesus. Y'all agree? 
So the reality is, is we are all one of these two criminals. The question is, which one are you? And the answer to that question will dictate whether or not you are saved or not. Because you can't say to Jesus, I believe that you're the Christ if you prove it to me. What else does he have to do to prove that he's the Savior? I mean, really. When we're talking about the cross, we're talking about the sacrifice. We're talking about everything that he took that he didn't need to take. He could have said no. Remember? He's on the, he's on the ground praying to the Father. Hey, if there's some other way than what I'm about to do, let's do that, all right? And God says, no, we got to do it this way. And he's like, okay, well, then let's do it your way. Which tells me that there's something in his humanity which is like, oh, this is going to be, it's going to be bad. But the whole time he's carrying that cross, remember last week? He's like, y'all ought to be crying for yourself. Y'all ought to be thinking about yourself. Because what's happening to me is nothing compared to what's going to happen to you if you don't turn to me as your Savior. Right? Because you can't endure what you deserve is what he's saying. And this guy here, he's like, the second thing he says, we, we're getting what we deserve. Who are we to sit up here and complain about what's happening to us? We deserve this because we're criminals. Everybody knows we're criminals. When people get to this point where they understand Romans chapter 3 that says we're all guilty and they include themselves in all. And then they get to where Acts chapter 2 where Peter preaches the gospel and it says the whole crowd was cut to the heart. Which means they accepted the guilt. There's, there's a difference between knowing you're guilty and accepting the guilt. Owning the guilt. And not until you own the guilt can you ever genuinely cry out to the Lord for mercy. Now, we can play games all we want to, right? We can walk around saying we're saved. We can walk around saying we repented. We can walk around saying whatever we want to say. But God knows our hearts. God knows if we understand whether or not we have to own this guilt. God knows if we fear him. God knows if we are one criminal or the other next to Jesus. Remember the prodigal son that Jesus talked about, that parable? He was laying around with the pigs, eating the leftovers of the pigs. And usually, I mean, I've, I've been on some hog farms and there ain't much left over. But a bunch of stuff. So you have to imagine what he had to eat if he was going to stay with them. And the Bible tells us in that parable, it says he came to himself and said, you know what? Maybe I'll just go back to my father and maybe he'll let me eat the crumbs of his servants, which would be way better than what I'm dealing with right now. People have to come to themselves. And there's this guy on this cross next to Jesus hanging there saying, I am just this terrible sinner criminal person and I deserve everything I'm getting. And here's this guy 
this Jesus, done nothing wrong, going through all of this, you have to ask yourself, why would a person who's not the Christ go through what Jesus did? If he's not the Christ, why would he endure all of that? I mean, I mean we know that Jesus is the Christ, but let's, let's just, for, for, for argument's sake, if he wasn't the Christ, he would have to be a super narcissist to get that much attention, to go through that much stuff to get attention, right? No, he's, he's the Christ. He's the, he's the answer to sin. And here this man is cut to the heart. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, just maybe you'll think about my name. You ever felt that way? You ever thought about that? He says a lot of things in that statement. It seems at first like a selfish statement, like the first guy, right? He's like, if you're the Christ, let's get us down, right? But no, he says, remember me. And he says, when you come into your kingdom said that to Jesus acknowledging that Jesus has a kingdom and is the Lord of that kingdom and that something else was going on in that moment besides just three guys hanging on a cross because the Roman government said it's time to do this because they're guilty this man maybe didn't understand 100% everything that was happening in that moment but he knew that Jesus was not a guilty man and there was something else going on and he must be who he says he is. So if we're going to understand the gospel so that we can be disciples, we need to understand who we are in reference to our relationship with God and we need to understand who Jesus is. And if we can understand those two things, I believe the Spirit of God will convict us and cause us to repent, cause us to genuinely call out, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. That's what salvation is. When someone comes to Christ, they're like, I can't, I'm, I'm lost. I have fallen, I have offended God, and I have no hope. And they're throwing themselves at the foot of the cross. At the mercy of the court is what they're doing. I don't know if you've ever stood in court over anything and been the accused and been guilty. You ever got a traffic ticket? Answer would be yes. Maybe you didn't go to court, but you either paid it or you went to court and tried to get out of it. Either way, you're at the court and their mercy, aren't you? Because they're going to hit that gavel and it's going to be a done deal no matter what you think sometimes. Everybody's going to stand before God. Everybody. And they're either going to be screaming and hollering at Jesus to prove himself or they're going to be face down on the ground on the foot of the cross saying, just please remember me. Because they're mourning over the fact that they've offended God. That we've offended God. It's hard to say amen when it gets heavy, isn't it? But look, all of this is not there to cause us to mourn and be heavy hearted. Right, because people are all the time asking the genuine Christians, it's like, if, if your Savior was killed in such a brutal way, why do you celebrate that? Because I get to be with God. 
because of it. I don't know about y'all, but wherever my Savior is, that's where I want to be. That's why Peter got out of the boat. When he saw Jesus walking on the water, he didn't care what was going on. He's like, Jesus is over there, and I want to be where he is. So he says, Jesus, tell me to come out there. And he went out there, and he just jumped out of the boat and started walking. And everybody gets on Peter. I, t- I say this before. Everybody gets all over Peter because he, oh, you have little faith. Because what did he do? He looked around, and he started falling in the water, and Jesus had to save him all over again like the rest of us. Happens every day, doesn't it? How many times has Jesus had to pull me out of the, the water because I'm focused on something else? But let me tell you something about Peter. He's the only person that's ever walked on water besides Jesus. Because he wanted to be where Jesus was. And I don't really, you know, people ask me all the time, what's heaven like? What's it going to be? Is, is it going to be this or is it going to be that or whatever? And there, we can study that and we can talk about that and it's healthy, it's fine. But at, in the end, I don't really care. I want to be where he is. Right? And what I just learned from this seemingly nobody, this criminal on the cross, that if I want to be where Jesus is, then I've got to fear God. I have to come to myself and I have to own my guilt. I have to own what I've done against this holy God. And then I have to throw myself at the mercy of the cross. And we should run to do that. Why? Because that's why Jesus came here. That's what Christmas is all about. So that we can have an opportunity to put ourselves face first at the foot of the cross saying, please remember me. I don't deserve grace. Here's Jesus' answer, y'all. Get ready. And this is Jesus' answer every time a person's heart gets to this place. Even yet today, it's still the same answer. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise is another word for the garden of the king. Right? You think about that, Adam and Eve. uh, Adam and Eve lived where? In the garden of what, Eve? Garden of Eden, right? And Adam and Eve were just hanging out there doing whatever it is they were doing and they had fellowship with God every day. God would come and talk to them and walk with them and and tell them all kind of stuff. Told them what not to do and they ignored it. So guess what? They can't be in the king's garden anymore. Genesis chapter 3 says God came and saw everything was broken, but I'm going to fix it. And here we are looking at the gospel, looking at Jesus on the cross. And guess who gets to go back into the garden? Anybody and everybody that will fear God will take ownership of their offenses against this holy God and lay themselves at the cross. That's what it means to be saved by faith. Right? So let me, let me go through this real quick. That's what I just went through, by the way. Let me go through this and then I'll finish up. So many times, people will ask, what, what do I need to do to be saved? People will ask, what does it mean to be saved? Or questions similar to that. They're, seeking, they're really seeking the answers to these questions. Right? And we, and we uh, a lot of times, we'll take them to Acts chapter 2 or other places where people were saved. And we teach them about the process of salvation. 
saved by your faith. And because of your faith, you're instigated to do some things that are obedient, right? Because of your faith. So we baptize. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how we teach it here. Because that's what we believe the Scripture says. But your baptism doesn't save you. And anything after that you do doesn't save you. It's what you believe about Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. Satan believes that Jesus is the Christ. Are you cut to the heart? So why do we baptize? Because here's the other, here's the other thing. This guy that we're looking, learning from this morning, this guy that's hanging on the cross, that threw himself at the mercy of the cross, he wasn't baptized. And that's the biggest argument I, I hear from people. Well, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. How come I have to be baptized? Because you're not on the cross. <laughs> right? There's nothing stopping you from being baptized. There's nothing stopping you from obeying what the Scripture tells us to do. However, see, God can do whatever He wants to do, however He wants to do it. Y'all agree with that? We, however, can only function in what we know to be true, and that's the Bible. We can only function in what we have. We can't change that. If God decides to function outside of that, that's his business. He don't answer to us. So maybe if somebody does die before they have an opportunity to be baptized, maybe they're going to be saved because of their faith. I have no problem with that. But there's people sitting in this room or there's people maybe in a church somewhere else or people sitting in their houses that can be baptized and aren't baptized. But baptism doesn't save you. Your faith in Jesus Christ saves you. And if you believe that Jesus is a Christ, wouldn't you want to do the things that God laid out for us to do as a disciple? And your first act of being a disciple is to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. You see how that all comes together? And one side note, this whole uh, plan of salvation that we know to be the way we do things and the way God has instructed us to do it is Jesus died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead and then the spirit of God came at Pentecost and they started preaching this gospel that we preach today all of those things weren't in place when this man died on the cross this man was saved the same way Abraham was saved by faith when Jesus came from, from, the, from the grave and he's alive and the gospel message is in place and the Spirit of God came on the church, right? Now we live by grace. So when anybody says, uses this thief on the cross as an example to defeat what we believe is true about baptism, doesn't work because Jesus hadn't died yet. Just gonna give you that little nugget. Y'all ready to sing? If you're not saved, if you've never stood up and said, I do believe, and if you've never gotten cut to the heart and you want to be saved, right now is the time for you to just stand up and say, I believe everything you said is true. And I believe I need the Lord. And I believe I need to throw myself at his mercy. If you believe that and that's what you feel like you need to do, then we'll invite you to be baptized. And we'll go from there and be disciples together. You ready?